Hello, and welcome to episode 231 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. I am super excited to share a new perk of being a member of the Modern Manager community. At the request of a current member to make the key takeaways from each episode more memorable, I am now providing a one-page sketch note with the key concepts from each interview. This one-page overview is available to members at both the supporter and patron levels and participants in the Skills Accelerator. Check your email or log in to download that one-pager for this week. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you'll get 20% off of any membership level. Also, everyone who subscribes to my newsletter gets a snapshot of the sketch note with one big idea. So if you'd like to get that, be sure to join my mailing list, which is also available at themodernmanager.com. Now, today's guest is Dr. Jen O'Ryan. Jen is a consulting editor specializing in inclusion, diversity, and representation. She works with organizations to design content, culture, and processes that are welcoming and inclusive. Jen has a PhD in human behavior, and her background in tech includes designing new experiences for customers, launching global initiatives, and leading organizational change. Jen and I talk about the hidden places that bias shows up and how we may be unintentionally setting up barriers or making things challenging for our colleagues, and of course, what we can do about it. We also go deep on how to be thoughtful about the end of your holidays, which can have religious undertones and bring up lots of feelings for lots of folks. Now, here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. Diversity, equity, inclusion is one of my favorite topics to cover on the show because it is just so relevant and so important to everyone, no matter what anyone says about it. It's, you know, lifting up certain segments of population or certain people or certain groups. DEI is for everyone. And so I really love getting to talk to experts like you about this topic and making workplaces just better for everyone. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. All right. So let's start with this idea of biases and stereotypes and barriers and things that are, are hidden. I thought this was one of the most interesting things that I learned when I was checking out your work was that there are all these places that kind of we don't always think about that are actually places where biases hide or like we think about it like, oh, in our hiring process. But there are lots of other places where they hide. So can you uh, share some more about where biases, stereotypes, or barriers tend to hide in our work environments? Yeah. So I, I like to think about it in terms of, you know, we're all individuals. And then if, if we're leading people or we're, you know, just at work in general, we are we become a collection of humans all trying to, uh, you know, perform a function or, or deliver on something. And the interesting thing about that is that there's, so there's, there's the bias that we have largely based on our early messages, early experiences, things like that. But then we also have this other level of bias that doesn't get explored in the same way. And that is how we move through the world. And so we, we talk about it in terms of sometimes like blind spots or things like that. But if I'm moving through the world in a very different experience than, than you are or somebody else might be, it often simply doesn't occur to us what are unintentionally creating barriers or how we might be exclusionary. 
And, and so that is one of the elements I really like to, to dive into is one of the examples I use is the, uh, the sidewalk cuts that they have for, you know, people with mobility issues and things like that, um, people who are in wheelchairs or, you know, pushing heavy strollers and things like that. If I didn't have any of those situations in my life, it would probably never occur to me why those were necessary and why we need to invest in those. And so that's, that's one of the openers I like to have is when we're talking about inclusion, inclusion and belonging and diversity, what does that really mean like end-to-end from the human experience? Oh, I love that. I mean, the, that simple mental model of why are things the way they are and are the existing policies, practices, language, situation, right? Are, is it taking into account different types of people or is it designed for only one? And the sidewalk example is really clear, right? Like we've thank goodness, designed sidewalks to be accessible for people who have different mobilities. But that's mm-hmm. not that that didn't have to necessarily be the case. Yeah, exactly. And 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 how do we how do we bring things up like that to the people who are able to make decisions, able to finance and allocate resources for initiatives, able to influence those policy decisions and things like that? So there must be things like that that are happening all the time inside of organizations. I mean, I can think of one example from my own work that happened a number of months ago where I was facilitating an online activity and we had, I color-coded some different sticky notes on the virtual whiteboard. And one of the people very kindly chatted me and said, by the way, I'm colorblind. I really can't tell the difference between some of those stickies. And I was like, oh my gosh, right? And now I'm like, okay, I'm never going to make that mistake again. But there are those kinds of kind of biases that are, or barriers that are kind of built into so much of how we work. So where are some of those other places that we might have sidewalks that need sidewalk cuts? <laughs> so it's 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 interesting because we do tend to fall into this idea, this mindset that things are the way they are because the way they are. Like they're almost a force of nature. Like we have the different colored sticky notes and things like that just because they are. But we take a step back and say, how would I experience this as somebody else? then we start to see, oh, it doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to be this way. We can actually change that. And I mean, example, this is, and this is not even close to not being able to see a range of colors, but I'm left-handed. And so when I was coming up in high school, all the desks were for right-handed individuals. And so I'm awkwardly trying to balance myself (laughs) and squish myself into this thing that simply wasn't designed for me. And that's where we really need to explore not just necessarily the observable diversities and and um, observable different levels of ability, but all the different ways of being, because we're never just one thing. And we tend to look at inclusion in and diversity and making things available to people as if they were siloed experiences. And so if I'm going into an organization how much of myself am I going to have to adapt to fit in? Am I going to have to lower the register of my voice when I'm in a meeting with a a certain team? Or am I going to have to present myself differently? Or am I going to have to squeeze myself into a chair that was never designed to accommodate me? I just, that, if we take a step back and, and let, just have an awareness that there are other ways of being, then that we can let that inform the, the design. And, and that goes back to the, the reason for diverse perspectives in the first place is because we're not all, all going to be able to envision barriers and, and how people would experience different things, whether that's in the workplace or a product or a new technology or or whatever it is that we're developing. Yeah, I like, I love this framing of 
as a person X, right, as a woman, as a person of color, as an older person, as a particularly abled person, how would I experience X? And using that as a way to, one, just remind yourself that not everybody is you, right? (laughs) It it would be so much easier and same time, so much more frustrating because, yeah. (laughs) Right, yes. But also to really help you see the places where you are coming with a particular perspective. And at the same time, I feel like it's really hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So just any thoughts on like, how can we do that effectively? Or do we have to go out and find people and ask them like, hey, you're you're a young you know, woman of color. How would you feel about coming to this meeting and sitting there? Like, I, that also feels like super not necessarily the right way to do it. So how, right, how do we right, get in that mindset? Yeah. And because then it's like, well, that's a person's experience. It's not representative of of the whole, right? And we have to break it down to so many different elements. And this is where I think it's that balance between people who start to focus on how do they make their workplace or their community or their corner of the world more inclusive. It becomes really overwhelming because they're like, oh my gosh, I have to think about every single thing that I'm saying and and I'm overwhelmed and, and frozen. But it really is, There's you don't have to be the expert and you don't always have to get it right. There are so many ways of doing it wrong. There are so many ways to be damaging, like, like avoid those, obviously. But then just know that it's a, it's an, it's a learning, it's a curiosity, it's a leaning in and, and exploring what barriers might there be. And honestly, when you get into the level of a, an in-depth lived experience that is not your own, that's also a really good time to bring in some experts who can really objectively guide you based on what your initiatives are and what your industry is and what your company is on removing some of those barriers. That makes a lot of sense. And I can already see like there are places where we do focus groups if it's a new new product, right? Or we put together advisory boards if we're running an event or other kinds of things. So you can actually make sure that you're having those different voices and perspectives, not just weighing in on the overall, but like also explicitly, you know, trying to understand how might people of your ilk, if that's a way to say it, experience mm-hmm. this, right? Like, mm-hmm. and 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 holding that tension between your one person, if you can only have one person of that particular dimension, or being able to 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 like hold that as their individual experience, but also understanding that their that even as an individual is being colored by their identity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, I I think going back to the original question, one of the cornerstones of this being successful in an organization of any size is there needs to be that element of trust and psychological safety so that people can effectively challenge each other in healthy ways. Yes. (laughs) So yes. Do you want to talk about how to build that type of psychological safety? From a from a leadership perspective, for me, it is all about modeling. Uh, you can say all day long, my door is always open and please interrupt me and have questions and things like that. But it it all goes back to modeling. How do leaders show up as vulnerable? One of the, uh, I was developing a series of, not really courses, but more like um, info bips around fraud and avoiding fraud and avoiding phishing and things like that. And I actually had some of the executives sit down and say, talk about real situations where they completely dropped the ball or they completely did the wrong thing and how they recovered from that. And having that human vulnerability is 
you can't you can't replace it and you can't coach it up. It's it's just there. And once people see that it's okay and safe and encouraged to productively challenge and, and riff on each other's ideas until you get to this optimized outcome, that's the cornerstone of it. If you don't if you don't have that, no initiatives will will ever successfully land or influence the culture. It all comes back to that. Yeah, that role modeling is so essential. And I would build on that and say that I have definitely found that when I ask my team members or when I ask a group, is this working for you? That they're much more likely to give me feedback and say like, actually, this didn't really work for me. Then if I don't ask and just hope that they will speak up and say, by the way, like this isn't working for me. So even just kind of creating the space and letting people know, like, if we're scheduling early meetings and it doesn't work for you because you have to get your kids out the door, say something like, tell me, I don't, I'm not trying to make your life harder as your boss. I just didn't think about that or whatever it might be, right? Like we have to kind of ask our team members or ask our customers or ask our clients, is this working for you? Yes. And that, because it's, I think, it, I think so many of us are conditioned to, oh, the meeting's at seven in the morning. I just need to make my life work around that. However untenable that is. Yeah. Rather than saying, you know, this really doesn't work for me. Is there another time? Because it could just be the meetings at seven because it's always been at seven. If it's not serving us anymore, we should evaluate that. Yes, yes, yes. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about holidays, if this is okay, because holidays are coming up and I feel like this becomes a complicated time because there's a lot of festiveness that can come, especially in America, at the end of the calendar year. And it can also be a time where people feel really uncomfortable or really unseen or, you know, you know, all those other, you know, dimensions, plus all the like normal stuff that happens with like family conflict and togetherness that is a whole other thing. But can we talk a little bit about you know, have you thought or do you have any recommendations for how people handle holidays amongst their teams and in their workplaces? It, and this is the most unsatisfying answer ever, I know, but it depends. So what I think one of the most important things for people leaders is to recognize that, yes, this is a celebration at the end of the year. Yes, you want to revisit all of your accomplishments and everything. And the, the companies will likely have holidays. And being really cognizant of all the holidays that are out there, not asking you to be an expert on it, but just understand like, you know, um, what what other holidays are available, be respectful for not waiting for your employees to say, I observe this holiday. And so I won't be having any meetings afternoon on this day. Just opening, opening that up, pushing the information out to them and say, let me know how I can support you in this time. One of the other things that really, I think goes into the wire is the holidays are difficult for a lot of people. There could be a loss. There could be estrangement from family. There could be you know, the last few years just in and of itself. So these can be really difficult. And so it could appear to a people manager as their team members checking out or just not engaged or slacking or whatever. And it really could just be that this is a difficult time for them. Maybe it's the first holiday without a loved one. Maybe it's the first holiday alone. And just really being extra aware and plugged in to the vibe of the team and checking in to make sure that people are okay. Oh my gosh, that's so, so important. Yeah. And and being respectful because the other side of that, that grief and, and estrangement is some people want to double down and they just want to 
be full in on the celebration and show up to the team meetings wearing reindeer antlers and all the things. But uh, and that's awesome. But just, you know, be aware that it just be mindful and, and sometimes naming it even, you know, having a team meeting and say, look, we're going to celebrate and this is fantastic. But just be mindful, not even just people on the other team, but people in the world. Not always the best time of year for them. So beautiful. I love just being explicit about that. Right. Like and just just naming it. It's that can mm-hmm. be all the difference. And for somebody who is feeling it can just make them feel so seen and heard and they didn't even have to do anything. Absolutely. And that being seen is, I mean, that's just an inherent human need to be seen. Yes. Well, and I want to go back to this holiday thing because I have a client who was trying to figure out how to be respectful around the holidays. And they had some people on their team that they thought maybe were a particular religion, but they weren't totally sure. And they didn't want to like make assumptions. And they also just, and it it really made me realize that we should not ever assume we know somebody's religion. Like you, you could, it's not something, I mean, we shouldn't really assume any kind of dimensions of diversity when we interact with people. And so what this person did, which I thought was so clever, is they compiled a list that they had found online of like all the holidays and sent it as like a Google form or something to their team and said, please check all the holidays that you celebrate and make a note of any particular aspects of that celebration that we should be cognizant of as your team members and your employer. And they said it like, I mean, that wasn't my idea. They came up with this. And I thought it was so brilliant because they got so much information back and they were able to then make those accommodations without making assumptions and learned a lot about what people cared about in terms of their religious holidays. I love that. I love that so hard. I really do. And I, I, although the cynic, not cynic, that's not the right word, but the cautionary tale side of me is saying, just be really careful about how you message that because it could also come across as a very bureaucratic, tell us what we need to know about you kind of thing. But no, but with the right team environment and the right relationship that you've been building with this team, it's going to land exactly as intended that we want to know what you're, what you want to share and how we can support you. Yes. Yes. So good to make sure that the language around it is one of support and not one of kind of, you know, putting a microscope on your microscope on your team. The other thing I want to go back to is some of the language around festive end of year holidays kind of stuff. And I I think most organizations are getting away from like giving, you know, people that I like Christmas bonus. But I'm wondering if there's any other thoughts you have around how we can use like festive language, especially around the end of year, especially in a Christian dominant culture, uh, at least in America. So just any other thoughts you have on on like where some of those mistakes might we might hit on when we're not thinking specifically about our language? That is a really interesting balance because you it, your your celebrations at the end of the year don't need to be just this generic gray erasure bland shush fest, right? I mean, it their celebration, and and it, so I would invite people to think about it not as an erasure. Like, oh my gosh, Scoldy, you can't say this, you can't say that. It's it's a yes and. It, it's a bringing in. It's 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 increasing visibility to, as I said, all the different ways of being. So rather than being a negative exclusionary erasure, smaller stage, no, we're building a bigger stage so that everybody can be seen and and fully contribute. 
And I, I do love the idea of ho- highlighting the different holidays and then just being really cognizant also of which are holidays that are celebrations and which are holidays that are observances mm. because those can be very different. And I would really customize it to the to the needs of the team. Can I get really in the weeds on this for a second and say, yes, please. so I am Jewish. And when people say Merry Christmas to me, I respond by saying Happy Hanukkah because it drives me crazy that people still won't just say Happy Holidays and be more inclusive because even if you are of no religion, you are probably going to celebrate the new year, which is a holiday, right? You're, you, you know, so I, I'm, it just drives me crazy. So, you know, if, is there a pro- proper way to respond when someone says Merry Christmas to you, if that is not your practice, or if you just want to build a an inclusive culture <laughs> that is not. Good. Now we're getting good. No, it's so it's so I, I worked in the I worked in retail back in the late 80s, early 90s. I know clearly I was a small child, but no. So I worked <laughs> in retail. And we actually had to say happy holidays for that very reason because it there's so many holidays. And not everybody celebrates holidays. And so it wasn't even something that was charged or, you know, controversial. It was just happy holidays. And I, I personally, I don't see anything wrong with that because there are holidays. And, and realistically, if you're leading people through this as a, as a holistic end-to-end year, then you're also acknowledging, hol- you're acknowledging Diwali. You're acknowledging other celebratory holidays not just at the end of the year. Yes. And it's so important to remember that, that, right, as you said before, right, there's multiple holidays, there's observances, and they don't all just happen in, you know, the last six weeks of the calendar year. And to really be thoughtful about how you're acknowledging that when it's easy when kind of everyone's doing it, you know, culturally across the the globe outside of work, it's very different when it it's kind of goes under the radar or flies under the radar because it's maybe one person on your team and you're not really seeing anything out, you know, on the streets as you're walking around saying, celebrate this. Mm-hmm. And it goes, it, I feel like it, it really does go back to being seen and valued as an individual for who you are. And so that's some of the pushback that I've gotten in organizations is like, well, they're welcome to come. I'm like, that's not the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not belonging, right? It's 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 almost like so that uh, the the phrase inclusion is being asked to dance. So diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. But it goes to me. This goes beyond that because if you're being expected to dance in a confirmationist way, then that is almost worse than not being invited. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. And I I think you know we can take it further as organizations are having their end-of-year parties or gatherings of whatever sort, right? Being really cognizant of that experience for people, right? Going back to the, like, how would a person of X, you know, have this experience? How would they experience this evening full of alcohol or this <laughs> event where we're not wearing work clothes, but we're wearing leggings and t-shirts because we're doing something outdoors or whatever it might be? Right? How would a person who is gay experience this if they if we're bringing partners? Will they feel comfortable to do that or any other way? Right? Like I love going back to that original framing to ask yourself as you're creating an end of your gathering, how will your team members experience it? 
Yeah. And, and you mentioned such a good point too, because it's, it's, you know, the plus one guest and it's, you know, people with um, neurodiversity, people who are introverted, people who process information differently, how will they experience that event? And I think that the holiday theme is really just building into also how would they experience that? And really it comes down to, for me, it comes down to the power of language because as humans, we have this amazing capacity for language and vocabulary, but we also tend to just use words that worked for us in the eighth grade. And we really don't go much <laughs> beyond that because it's easier and we're trying to get a message out rather than find the precise word. And so I, I would ask people leaders, I'm like, what are you? What are you celebrating at the end of the year? Are you celebrating a huge accomplishment? Did you did you just make it through intact? And that's the celebration because that's valid. And then building your framing around what is it called? How do you message it? What are the images associated with that to really precisely align with what you're celebrating? So smart to say, like, we don't have to celebrate holidays. We could actually just celebrate ourselves. <laughs> That's kind of yeah, nice. Yeah, you really can. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, it goes back to that. Like, what did you do in February? Like, uh, this is this should be a, a culmination of, of a team building and interaction as and supporting each other as humans throughout the entire year. So so beautiful. All right, it is time for us to wrap up. Sadly, so Jen, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Yes. So I've been fortunate to have a couple. The best manager that I had was actually during my my time in Amazon, and he's going to know exactly who he is from the story, but he did such a phenomenal job about really personalizing what he did, even at the scale of managing, I think at that point it was eight or 10 people. And there was a, there was a situation that we had to address. It was an incident and it was basically a, a step one, like the highest priority issue. And Everybody dropped what they were working on, all came together as a team, fixed the issue, got it back up and running and resolved it. And this manager actually took the time to send out an email thanking everybody, you know, seeing the executives and went line by line and thanked people individually for something they specifically had done during the event and didn't have to do any of that. But it really spoke to the fact that he recognized and valued each individual person for their contribution for what they brought to the team. And that just, that is just stuck with me years later. Oh, that's so beautiful. You're also welcome mm -hmm. to say their name on air if you want to. Okay. It was Paul Donnelly. <laughs> Paul, thank you. You taught me so much about effective leadership and uh, all the things. Yes. Oh, so wonderful. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Uh, so I, I have a page, pagingdrjen.com, that has a little bit more information about uh, the book, the work that I do, um, how you know the the how I'm I'm trying to influence the world one conversation at a time. I also hang out a lot on LinkedIn, and always happy to connect with people who have questions or do similar work or just want to have an interesting conversation over coffee. Awesome! And remind us what your book is called. Oh, inclusive AF. It is a field guide for accidental diversity experts. So it's for people who um, want to do something to change the world. And it, it outlines the three-part roadmap for them to do so. Fantastic. Thank you again for this wonderful conversation. Really a pleasure. Thank you so much. Jen has offered to give away three copies of her book, Inclusive AF, a field guide for accidental diversity experts. Designed for anyone thinking about inclusion and diversity, 
Inclusive AF outlines a roadmap to safely introduce meaningful and lasting change. This offer is available to patron-level members of the Modern Manager community and participants in the Skills Accelerator. To become a member and get those one-page sketch notes and other awesome perks like this book giveaway, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.